we fill it? So you'll spill it. What will it be tonight? Red or white? A Zana blend a burgundy. Drink wine. Spill I'm Jamie. And I'm CJ. And this is Drink, Drink Wine, Spill, Spill Tea. Tea. The podcast where we talk about anything and everything, but with a sense of humor. So pour yourself a glass of wine. Put in your AirPods. And let's spill some tea. Clink. We, I have coffee. It's really not even wine. I have nothing. I'm with two people that absolutely right now cannot drink. Um, so. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because why? Jamie? Because I have a hernia. And to our lovely guest, Anthony? Because I have an unidentified stomach. <laughs> Is it gastritis? I've been through a lot. And um, I it was like gastritis, it was a hernia. I kept having nightmares. I was telling my family that I had cancer. Like, Oh my God. Are you okay? I'm okay. That just like sent a chill down my spine. Um, no, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. It's like what are your symptoms? I'm basically an expert. Great, let's talk about. It. So. Wait, so to really quick, since we just like outed oh, right. your your oh, issues. Sorry. <laughs> Anthony, say hi. Hi. <laughs> now back to it. Anthony, New York, Kennedy Laguardia. Get it? Yes, I do. <laughs> my instinct is put yeah. my hand up because they used to do that for me in the show. New York. Kennedy. That's a RuPaul's Drag Race joke, Jamie. I got it. So your your symptoms, let us dive into We don't need to dive into that. God, And there's two people in the room that have stomach issues, so it's a great topic of conversation. Let's do it. Well, it is lower left quadrant. Your stomach is identified into four quadrants, and it's the lower left. And it is like a stabbing pain after two hours after I eat, and that is pretty fun. And my guess is it is probably anxiety and stress. Oh, yeah. I'm about to go through a big life change in the next week. So, um, but I'm not like, I'm not um, unaccustomed to stomach things. I have like a bacterial infection <gasps> in my intestines from Korea. So what? I was in, I, we toured in Korea for, for like two months and um, I got um, injured like the last week of my contract and they had to ship me home and I got developed all of these different like things I couldn't sing my voice went away and they were trying to figure out what the problem was and like a year later they uh like some woo-woo medicine doctor like witch doctor was like you have a problem in your stomach and um I found out that I had like a bacterial infection in my stomach and so I had to like basically eat only a certain type of fruit a certain type of vegetable and protein for like nine months that's when you first met me i was in the middle of all that oh um and um yeah so i'm no stranger to a stomach thing so it's annoying and frustrating but i'm also like eh, all in a day maybe he's jewish (laughs) maybe honestly jews have so many issues in their stomachs oh i have i heard that before because it's like a stereotype that's 100 percent true okay we're both jewish and she has ibs oh god like it's just you got running up from quarantine i got running from stress so like i like i've been really stressed and you know i had like an endoscopy and they like looked inside and they were like it's a hernia and mild gastritis i was like excellent Great. And then I had like my follow up like a couple weeks later, and my doctor was like, "I'm not trying to make any assumptions about her mental health." And I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "But do you talk to a therapist at all?" And I was like, "I do not." And he was like, "I think you should. I highly recommend it because like studies and tests have shown that people who talk to therapists and just talk about like get everything out have like way less reduced symptoms and like have like a very healthy digestion." Sure. So. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. I think I, I mean, that's pretty well. I talk to a therapist. <laughs> and you poop call. just fine. <laughs> I do. And they, in fact, told me yesterday that they are terrifying. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, you're it's so rude. That's tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to hear tea, you know, that's tea, indeed. I mean, it, stress is such a huge thing, especially because mind, um, like, brain body connection goes to your stomach and it's such a real thing like so the reason why i think it's stress and anxiety and i I was i'm assuming my witch doctor thinks it is too um but i had like the most intense 
panic attack I have ever had in my entire life. The day I arrived to New York, which was three weeks ago yesterday, um, I wasn't quarantining here. And we had just made all these big life decisions to uproot ourselves from New York, to move out, whatever. Coming back to New York after being away, um, life was very different, blah, 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 blah. I settled in the, at the apartment. My partner left. And within like four hours, I was on the floor, like convulsing, shaking, couldn't breathe, had to have him on the phone to help me like get my breath back in order, like crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, three days later, this started. So I guarantee you, like, there's got to be some connection, you know? Yeah. That's what my dad tells me. Every time something's wrong with my body, which like happens at least like once every two weeks, I'm like, this is new. You know, I threw my back out the other day and my dad was like, well, you're probably stressed. I'm like, no. I'm not stressed. I'm fine. <laughs> and then it's usually stress. And I know that this is like such a over talked about topic right now, but just like in lieu of everything that's happening in our lives, especially as artists, saying, yeah. you know, all of this uncertainty in the air, of course it's gonna manifest in some way. Oh yeah. You know, of course it's gonna manifest like that, you know? And it's almost impossible. I mean you can take as many I do yoga every single day. You can only take so many deep breaths and like so much and I can only calm you down for so long. Eventually when you're going to sleep at night, you are gonna think about all these things. Oh for sure. Namaste stress bitch. I don't need to do yoga. I feel like people who who've got who generally got their shit together are also feeling anxiety and like a normal person because right. everybody feels anxiety and depression and whatever but i feel like it's just such a real thing for every person no matter what degree of your life togetherness you have right now just because we're all 2020 just has hit us like a wrecking ball thank you for that <laughs> or a cannonball as in me and michelle Oh. We don't talk about her. <laughs> so, oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm very sad about me right now. It's been a I saw something the other day, though, that was like, let's be honest, Dave Michelle is going all <laughs> Oh, Naya Rivera, no. I know, I was like, I mean. No. So, Korea, is that? Yeah. Oh my god, so what brought you to Korea? So, I was with a um, Broadway touring show for a total of like five years collectively. Um, one of those years, it was a heavy Asian year. And we were in um, Asia for three months, two months in Korea, two three weeks in um, Tokyo, and two weeks in Taipei. And um, I didn't make it to um, Tokyo or Taipei because I tore my calf on, in the seventh of nine weeks. Brilliant. Great. Um, I'm very... Um, cursed when it comes to injuries and performing more on that later um and um yeah so we were there for a total of nine weeks i made it to seven but it was a great experience actually um seoul is where we were is in freaking credible and the um the way that they treat artists is like me a joe schmo ensemble of a of a, a north american touring company of a Broadway show, they were like out at the stage door shaking to get my picture, bringing me gifts every show. Even just, I mean, like, it, it was just, it's pretty in incredible the way that they treat art. It's pretty interesting, just given how we feel, I feel about their culture. I respect it so much. And I, every time I'm over in Asia, I am in awe of their humility and their, like, their history. And, um, the sense of respect that they have is unreal. If we could only get a smidgen of that here, ugh, God, what we could do with it. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool over there. Uh, have you ever been to Asia, either of you? No, I only I left the country for the first time last year. Where'd you go? We went to Spain. Oh, oh, Spain trip. Mm -hmm. yes. yes, gotcha. Spain trip. Yes. Okay. I want to ask you a question um, about being with the same show for five years. Mm -hmm. Do you find, you know, because sometimes I talk to actors and they still find joy and like new things every single day after their whatever it the year. And then other times I hear like some actors say that this is definitely just a job for me. I just go there every day, do the show and then leave. Were you, did you have any of those feelings where you, did you find like something new in every performance or did you eventually feel like... Just Such a good question. Um, I feel like both. Um, because um, 
anything, as with anything, if you're with it for an extended period of time, there's a sense of monotony. There's just, that's just, that's just life. Um, but when it comes to art, you can, if you're connected with it enough, you can find like a living, breathing energy within it. Um, and obviously you can flow in and out of that. So if you're on tour with the same show for five years off and on, that can both be very exciting depending on the place that you're playing, the audience that you have, or it can also feel like same thing, different day, depending on the energy that you're met with or what you're going through in your private life, stuff like that. Um, but I will say I was very blessed to be with for that long. And um, there's a, such a, like a, it's twofold because it, there's such like a, uh, like a Broadway royalty to it that it's like to be a part of that legacy is so cool to feel attached to that and to work with it, to get to work with those teams, even on a tour level, it's just, it's incredible to be a part of that legacy. And they, in some respects, treat you as a part of the legacy. In some ways, they don't. But yeah, I, I, I feel very fortunate to have gotten to do that that many times. 502 performances. Wow. Very cool. Because that show is so, even people who are not artists know, know it. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, the movie did a, a, a big help with that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. So you did it for five years, but it wasn't always a tour, right? Did no, you like started on the cruise ships. Okay. Um, so originally Namco licensed um, to Royal Caribbean. It was their first, Royal Caribbean's first venture into Broadway musicals, but oh. wouldn't license it to them unless if they made sure that their dancers also sung because they were going to track them. Every other Broadway show that they've had on Royal Caribbean, they've tracked. So they can pay them a certain amount of money and then they just lip sync all the time. Wouldn't license it without them requiring to us us to sing and dance. So I got to do the show for um, nine months the first time and three months the second time. I had just turned 21, uh, did a couple of regional shows right out of college. Uh, I went to AMDA and uh, wanted to just do something big and grand and I thought a cruise ship would be really, really fun. And I was super into contemporary at the time. So your dual show that you do is like a ship show, but it was, they were trying to bring a Cirque element to it. So I was also an aerialist. Oh, um, did you have to learn so, that skill for the show? Yeah. So, so I was doing one half of the week and then the second half of the week I was doing contemporary and aerial work, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Do you find that having spent a significant amount of time on the ship traveling helped you prepare for the traveling of the national tour that you did? No. No? No, not at all. Um, have either of you been on a ship ever? Mm -hmm. It is like a floating, beautiful prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've heard lots about it from yeah. like eight different people. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a floating, beautiful prison. And there are people who, and I, more power to them, this is not for me, but there are people who, that is their career, yeah. and they love it. And I think that is fantastic, but I find that people who've been on ships for too long lose a sense of reality. Yeah. I was with um, this guy, Jono, for my entire contract. He was from Australia. He had done, he was 29, I was 21. And he had been doing ships since he was 18. Oh my God. And there is this sense of like, he just doesn't get how the world worked. And it, it put us at an evil, even playing level because you, you would think with an eight year difference, 21 to 29 is a big difference, yeah. not only in age, but like, in just the way that you view the world, sure. I feel like it put us at a, at a pretty even like mental capacity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was pretty insane. So I, there are perks you get to, depending on where you are, I was uh, in the Caribbean and I was always either on the beach, working out, eating or performing. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so it was pretty great. Yeah. It was my face. Um, and that was pretty great. But, um, it was like there was no preparing for tour. You just have to be on a tour to prepare. The first tour I did was and that was Sonic. I had just gotten back and that Monday um, I went to the open call. That next Tuesday I had booked it. Um, and so um, I was cast as a swing, which uh, swinging is uh, another beast. And that was a pretty cool lesson to learn at a 
young age. Um, but yeah, so I toured with them um, from August to June of that next year. That was my first tour. And Ananak bus and truck tour. Like, stories, stories. When you're traveling with a cast of like 50, right? Yeah. And then you have kids. Like oh, you, and then you, they don't, just, they don't. Just ask me. <laughs> and then, then they don't allow them to do all the shows. It was oh like high school in that fun. bus. Oh yeah, super fun, super fun. Um, equipped with like bus bus crashes on side of mountains oh. and like no joke. No, I'm not even kidding. That's so not it. <laughs> actually, that's I mean that that's so not it. Yeah, no, it's actually it's pretty crazy. We were leaving Little Rock. And it was like 6 a.m. our bus call, and it was already an ice storm. Like, and our company manager was like, "We got to get there. It's like bottom dollar. They they look at the money, right? If right, they look at the money. And um, so if we're gonna do a show tonight, we're gonna do a show tonight because we got to make that money. So driving from Little Rock, Arkansas, up through the Ozarks to Springfield, Missouri. And love um, Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> oh, the <God>. metropolis. <laughs> um, and so I stormed to begin with, and then it started to become a blizzard about 9 a.m., right? <laughs> and we're going up the side of this mountain. There's like a 150 foot cliff on one side of the road, and then a rock, jagged rock wall on the other side. As we're going up, the mm-hmm. bus starts to stall, and so we start sliding back. And then, luckily we weren't on the other side of the road, otherwise we would have gone over the cliff. So we were sliding into the ditch, into the rock wall. We were pitched at a 45 degree angle, the back window shattered, and we were pitched in a way that if they were worried if people moved, that the bus would keep moving. Oh my God. Oh, crazy. So we were there in that position for about four and a half hours. No! Until... In that position, for like sit at forty-five degree angle for at least thirty seconds. It's not great. Four and a half hours later, yeah, right. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, four and a half hours later, they have these like garbage trucks with chains come up and literally chain the front of the bus so that we, we could get out. That it was stable enough that we could get out. We were standing on the side while we watched them pull it up to the top of the hill, and then. We get back on the bus. The engine works enough that the heat is working. It's another four and a half hours. Oh. Uh, five hours, because it was it was getting dark, when a Hummer limo from the nearest nice. town over, which is an hour away, comes to pick us up, because they have four-wheel drive. It was the only thing that was nearby that, that four-wheel drive that could pick up enough people. Okay, it was like seven o'clock, so eight o'clock. And um, they drew names for people to get on in this Hummer limo. <laughs> 17 people at a time to go an hour to, uh, over to the t- next town over to get dropped off at a pizza hut because, again, we're non-ec. Um, and, <laughs> and to pick up an order of pizzas to send back with the empty Hummer limo for the people who've been on the bus now for what is about 10 hours. Oh, that's nice, though. Yeah. Really, really thoughtful. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so some of were us... Were you in the first group? I happened to be in the first group. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Did you get pizza? I got pizza. Okay. Um, she wasn't gluten-free then. Oh, um, right. And... Um, so yeah, so by the end of it all, it was like 1am, they shuttled us into motels. We were like six to a bed because there weren't enough rooms. Zonic. Right. Gorgeous morning the next morning, 7am bus call, we're told before we go into our rooms. What do we see pull up but the bus from the Shrek tour? And they come to pick us up to take us to our next show. Nothing, like, no, it was all glazed over, nothing happened. It was just like, nope, back to work, gotta go for it. And so, yeah. That was that was that experience with the Shrek people on the bus. No, they oh. left them. And Stop. were they not there too? Yes. <laughs> Y'all, I am dead. Oh my God. I almost killed you. <laughs> I know. And being a swing on top of that, I, I, have y'all ever swung before? I have not swung. No, I'm, like, she, I'm so specific. I I've can't like, swing. I've like covered a few it's, tracks at once, but not. Like being a swing now. Okay, so bus and truck, non-ec, how many tracks, right? Yeah. So you had eight male tracks, eight eight female tracks, all ensemble, and then you have all the principals, whatever. The female swing? So it was the male swing. So you cover eight males, and then there's only one female swing. So in the event that there are two males out or two females out, you have Stop. to know the female tracks to go in as a man. 
So I had to know 16 ensemble tracks on top of three understudies. That seems That's almost dumb. Yeah. Impossible. Oh, it was the hardest job I ever had in my entire life. The first time I went on was at NPAC in Nashville. And after I came off the stage, I was on such a high. I thought I did such a fantastic job. I was so excited. I made like three mistakes, right? And for having all those tracks in your head, I get pulled into the company manager's office with the um, stage manager. And they literally threatened to fire me if I made any more mistakes than that ever again. Threatened to fire me. We could replace you, is what they said. They said, we can find somebody who doesn't make mistakes. What are you going to do? Run me off the road with your fucking, <laughs> like, bus? Did you go back on again? Did you do it perfectly? No. It's impossible. You can't. You can't. Here's the thing. There are people who are in their tracks for years who make mistakes. Yeah. That's why it's okay. like live theater. Thank like, you. Things happen. What did the demons all say? You hit like 80% of the notes. Yes. <laughs> if that bitch can say it. Oh, yeah. God. I love her. That's crazy. Rest in peace, her vocal cords. I know. Uh, yeah. her, her vocal cords never had a chance. They said, no, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They all, she's doing fine, they, She's doing okay. They gave up after Rent, and for some reason, they still said, but keep doing it. Yeah. We're not Why don't you be Elsa, the yeah. biggest yeah. Disney character in the entire world? You can handle that, right? Yeah, yeah. literally. That okay, was... so you survived that tour. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and then after... And then after that um, is when I booked the first time. And were you not at at the time when you booked it? I was not at the time I booked it. And so they gave me my equity card. Um, and we started in Tokyo um, the month before Christmas. And so we celebrated Aww. Christmas in Japan. I have to explain a part I missed out. I After that, um, after I went back on the ship for a replacement three-month contract. Oh, Adding nine months to the first contract and three months to the contract yeah, after that as a replacement. So like fresh. Fresh-ish. The end of my uh, replacement contract, it was the second to last show, and we are doing the aerial show. And um, it was eight minutes into the 50-minute show. I rolled over my knee in a number that we do every single night, and I tore my meniscus and popped my ACL. Both? Both. The night before... A 12-day crossing to Barcelona in which I had a three-week trip planned in Europe. Bought, paid for, saved for, everything. That Sunday we port. I get off. I go get an MRI. Blah, 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 blah. You have this, this, and this. Get back on the ship. Ask the medical officer if I could stay on for the crossing because I have this thing. I could still walk. I had a big boot on up to my, like, thigh. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. 40 minutes before we um, disembark. I get a call over the entire ship. The entire ship. And this, the Lord of the Seas is the largest ship in the world at the time. So there was 6,324 guests and 320, or, or 2,300 uh, crew members. And um, so they call my name over the whole thing. Please report to medical um, ASAP. And so I'm hobbling down. I, my dance captain, my production manager, and um, our stage manager is there. And they're like, they're requesting that you get off the ship in the next 30 minutes. So I have to pack in trash bags, garbage bags, within 20 minutes. I am weeping. My best friend is there. She's weeping, throwing my shit in the trash bags. And I'm hobbling up to the gangway. They're stamping my passport. They hobble me down off the gangway. They're already starting to pull the ropes to pull the oh ship away. They leave me on the curb, me more or less broken, my stuff in trash bags, and my friends waving at me from up on the deck. And I am in full hysterics, weeping, crying, screaming, because I was distraught. I thought my career was over. I was like, that was the first injury I'd ever had. And um, yeah, so that was this, like an eight-month recovery from that. PT, my first audition back, was where did they leave you? On the curb in Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. I was thinking like another country. It, it, was, <laughs> like, oh. it was like two or three hours before a Royal Caribbean representative came to pick me up to then um, take me to their leasing office to then like do some paperwork for injury then to take me to a hotel. I had to stay there for two days until I got cleared in order to fly and then flew home. For That's surgery. so shitty. Yeah. That is so, so, so shitty. So shitty. They did that. Yeah. That's 
cap with no other words. Like, that's just, like, absolutely, that doesn't seem, to me. it seems to me like there should be a rule where it's, like, you have to have at least, mm, like, two hours notice <laughs> before you're, like, kicked off with, like, your, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That should, I feel like that needs to, like, that should be a humanity rule. Right. That would mean people would have to care about our well-being, though, as well. Well, that's absolutely just and, not a thing. And you know what? It doesn't change that much between non-equity and equity. I was just about to ask. I mean, we kind of talked about your non-equity tour, but I wanted to ask like the difference between the equity tour and then the non-equity tour because I that's you've done both. Sure. And that's, like, a um, first two years were very equity. Week sit downs, two week sit downs. Kennedy Center with Brandy. I mean, like, just like incredible. My last year was very much like my non-equity tour. Sexy. Yeah. So um, a lot of one-nighters, a lot of, and I was finding, I was finding a lot of the theaters that we were playing. I was like, God, I've been Oh, right. Oh my Plus God. Um, and um, like finding my wall tags from from years and years ago. And the and I'm not saying that you can't play the same theaters, but the same theaters for the same amount of time as an equity and non-equity show just seemed a little strange. Yeah. So they had recently put in a new allowance um, with ACETA Tier 5 um, tours. And we were the test subject because it was brand new. We had been on, running for 20-something years, and um, they wanted to see if it worked. And so we were the test subject. I don't know if what that is testing? if an equity tour should be allowed to do these one nighters under an equity contract. <laughs> what, what did they come down? What was the, the conclusion? The pay structure was a was was a step above non equity. I mean, like it was. And I started, I started at a certain rate, and each year I got a new contract. It went down. No fucking what? way. Yeah, you're not grandfathered in, and I knew people who've been doing the show. For for decades, and who keep getting their pay demoted based on the tour that they're doing. See, absolutely. But asking not. them to do the same amount of work for less money as an equity show. Our industry is so fucked. And was it unanimous for every like everyone salary? Like it was. It wasn't just like a per person kind of thing. It's everyone. I mean, I don't know how you. Yeah, that, I mean, but. now I don't know the specifics on principals, but I know principals had a difficulty in negotiating um, certain things based on new rates. Um, these principals have been doing it for years. I know that they did, I know that they, everybody knows that they do a lot of stunt casting. Mm-hmm. So on my tours, I had uh, Brandy, I had um, Christy Brinkley, John Hurley, um, Tadra Call was on my last tour. They would save a decent amount of budget to be able to pay them, obviously. Sure. But if that's, I guess I'm, I'm twofold because I'm like, you need to be able to pay your actors what they yeah. what they deserve. But if that's what it takes to keep your show open, well, then I understand. But you can't have one and not the other. Right. I think that it's, I think they're one and the same. Especially like if you're stone casting, like, and you're getting some, no offense to the celebrities, but like... <laughs> I wouldn't spend, like, hundreds of dollars to go see, I don't know, whoever the fuck they are. It's crazy, though. People will. I mean, like, I I was, I was wasn't sure what to expect when we were getting Christy Brinkley. Christy is now 64 years old. She was 63 at the time. And has no apparent, like, musical talent, right? So not sure what to get. All I heard about that is that she was the nicest woman in the world. We get to rehearsals with her. Our first rehearsal, actually, with Anne Ranking was with Christy Brinkley as Roxy. And um, so we get in there, and she is busting her ass. And, and I was like, you know what? Respects. Because you can tell that she feels uncomfortable, that she yeah. feels like a fish out of water, that she is going into a Broadway show having no apparent musical ability. But they've asked her to do this. She signed on. It's a, it's a cool thing. And she's giving her all to this and and she's taking every single note as best as she can I mean, like props to her she actually turned out to be one of my favorite people to work with I love that. such a big heart and she treated us 
eats like her own children. Aww. It was incredible. And I love her. But I know what you mean. It's right. like, you wouldn't think like, what are the, what's the capability of some of these people to go in, to do this show, right? right. Um, and sometimes it's not very much, but you go to see the name. And did Chris Jenner ever actually do it? No, but she would have been fun. She just like, <laughs> refer- she just like wanted to, right? Yeah. Honestly, I pay to watch. Chris I would pay to watch Chris Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> I would pay to watch. Chris I would pay to watch. Chris <laughs> the, see, my parents were freaking out that I was doing the show with Chrissy Brinkley. So because in their mind, she's super much. She's huge. Right. We don't know very much about Chrissy Brinkley. I just feel. <laughs> Tell me how I feel. That like there are so many people who have trained their entire childhood and adult lives to do this mm-hmm. and are perfect. And I agree that there are amazing instances like that where it's like kismet and everything works out. But then there's a big enough portion of the time where you're like, why? It, this is right. not fun or cool. I'd rather just see this person in a concert. I'd sure. rather see this person in a movie or something. And I think it almost devalues just like the just like the strictly musical theater actor. Because if you're not gonna be the triple threat that is required to play that role, then what's the point of being a triple threat? Yeah. I don't know. That's just, I'm just talking no, about No, that's such a good point. It's, I wish it were that simple because, unfortunately, people don't pay to go see shows like that, which is sad. It's sad that, that I mean, like, Broadway has changed. Broadway has morphed. Um, and I I mean, when did it morph? I mean, maybe you can blame it on, on technology. Maybe you can blame it on the, the fame, social media, whole, like, thing that has shaped, is shaping our, our lives now. Um, that people are less willing to pay for art and more willing to pay for celebrity or name or what more willing to pay for, you know, what, what, I mean, what is that? I mean, who knows why, but I, I wish it were that simple because yes, there are people, case in point, when we ever, we didn't have a, a stunt cast, um, you know, role, we had people who were on call to fill in who'd been doing the show for decades, right? Who are legends and incredible talents and who've been doing it on Broadway for years that come in to fill in to do the tour um, that is their regular gig whenever their show wants them back because they can't find a suncast for that week right. it's sad. that must be nice though it is it's great but what happens that. when the tour closes right. which just happened so so tour closed and now it's not equity in, um, oh, right. Yeah. Everything's, everything's going on. I mean, even the shows that have money behind them. I mean, things that have been running well for, for years and years have to go non ec because there's no money in it anymore. I mean, after this, Broadway's going to have to go non ec so. Uh, right? <laughs> Not everyone's chance. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Everybody. <laughs> Put aside the schedule aspect uh-huh. and, like, the financial aspect, do you find that as, like, a human actor, it was more or less the same as a non-Avenue tour? Yes and no, again, because ultimately, what does it come down to, right? Money, the bottom dollar. Okay. Um, there were costs cut at every at every turn. Um, for the first six months of our tour, we didn't have physical therapy. It's required as an equity contract to have physical therapy. We had a fight for what was already in our contract to get physical therapy. Um, and you know, who's to say the reason behind that, but I was the deputy at that point and it was, and it was a, it was a struggle to get them to agree to give us physical therapy. And then also to be able to submit our receipts for what we had gotten for physical therapy, therapy before. Not an easy show to do. No. Um, and the physicality is different, but it is, it is a difficult show. And it requires um, a lot of physical attention and maintenance too. And we we were trying to get the ability to get gyms subsidized or find gyms in, in our um, cities that we were touring at, and they didn't see it as a requirement. When you're wearing mesh or very little clothing on stage, and you're having to do these shows eight times a week, you have to keep your body in a certain physical shape. So that is a demand of the job. 
So there are things that they still just don't, they don't see, they don't see the actor or their people in a way other than how much do you cost me? And then on some cases, I feel like you're so expendable when they treat you as a family and they treat you as a part of a legacy that has a double-edged sword because there are then so many people who are part of this legacy family that they can choose from if there is something about you that they don't like or that you ask too many questions or you as a deputy try to fight for too many things for your cast or things like that. Now, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not saying anything about what happened to me, but that could be the reason as to why I left the show. I mean, who knows? There was a break between our engagement and us going to Japan for the final time. And we were all slated to go. And there were two people who were not asked to come with the cast who had been touring with them for an entire year. Now, I don't know what the reason was. I had been with the company for a total, with the, with the Broadway company for a total of four years. My fifth year was when I did the show. Um, so I had been with the company for that long. I had made relationships with all these people. I had spent a lot of time. I've worked my ass off for them. Genuinely cared about the show. And it felt like a big slap in the face. And I still have not gotten an answer after reaching out to the people who I have known for years to get an answer from. Do you have, like, speculation as to why? Or is it just literally, like, there's not a... Like, I'm... I mean, I have speculation as to why. Um, but... That, I mean, I mean, who's to say right. without I, without you know, asking too many questions and right. going down that rabbit hole, um, could hypothetically like could there be could injury prone be a reason why? Well, you could be a risk. Last right. time you went to Asia, you got injured. Maybe we don't want you to do that again. Maybe there was a certain person in the cast who really didn't like me. And they were friends with the right person, and that was it. And it just comes down to something as simple as that. So, um, I mean, who the heck knows? I have made some incredible friendships, lifelong friendships from the from my tours with um, the show. I have got to experience some incredible things and perform amazing places with incredible people. So feel very lucky you know they don't call it drink wine spill tea for nothing there's a little there's every show every every contract there's always gonna be some sort of drama right that just is what it is you know that's what you sign up for we are literally there for drama quite literally right yeah absolutely and I'm bringing it. Right. We're quite <laughs> literally there for drama. You know what? Do you find that being a deputy um, has helped you with, like, leadership skills, like, that you bring to your life, like, now, and, like, being vocal and knowing how to stand up for yourself in a, like, a correct way? I guess, like, is it easier for Yeah. Uh, kind of. And being deputy is really hard because there are so many rules and there's so many. Do you want to explain what a deputy is? Yeah, do yeah. you want to see some of your responsibilities? <laughs> I guess. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. 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 An equity deputy basically just makes sure um, it, they're voted upon within the cast. You get a female ensemble, a male ensemble, and a principal deputy within the cast. And basically, any concerns or needs of the cast. The deputy is the middle person between the ensemble or like the group as a whole to the management team and then also to equity as an organization, as a union. We are in charge of asking questions, of being an advocate for our people, that kind of thing. So in that sense, yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting to field a bunch of complaints is more or less what they were because people like to complain yeah and not a lot of things that were com- that that were complained about were things that were actually able to be done because they didn't fall under the equity purview but certain things like travel or money or buyouts or things like that that you know certain things can get tripped up on or or missed by a company manager who's doing so spending so many plates at once for so many different people can miss. Uh, we're there to help, 
you know, figure out what is the best action and what is the equity rule with them. It's like PT was one. PT is something that is required now, which is lucky. They fought for it for a long time. And it's so to not get physical therapy on a tour. Yeah, for sure. When you're, yeah. You think somebody's injury prone, well, maybe you should take care of them. What? (laughs) It was, it was pretty eye opening because I think that's also the perspective that gave me well, what does it all come down to? I'm I, glad that, that like, the skills, though, like, those are definitely things that you can like take and like use wherever. For sure. And I feel like you use them. Me and Anthony work together. Yeah. I feel like you use them at work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I definitely feel like that has shaped you. For sure. I think I, um, I bring a lot of that with me just because I did it for so long. Yeah. I was only deputy for one of the years that I was on tour. I didn't want to do it again. Would you tour again? Um, probably not. Yeah. Gotta be honest. Um, just at a different place in my life. Yeah. I, I feel like it would have to be the right show and it'd have to be principal casting. And it would have to be in a show that is not doing as a, a seated tier five with one nighters. Yeah. So that would be that too. <laughs> do equity tours still do like are they allowed to do one nighters now? Like is that what the conclusion was out there? I actually don't know what the conclusion was because we were supposed to go through the end of the summer. We got our surprise closing notice four oh. weeks before we closed. <laughs> surprise! Um the first week in June. They went to Japan in August. And so I think the new vote happened either that June or July, we had been collecting a bunch of like do's and don'ts and what this was like on this tour and, and like how this felt and is this really possible kind of thing. And I think that was all brought to that meeting. I don't know because I didn't do a show after that. So I don't, right. I didn't read the contract. I was also that interested. I felt a little shaded and I oh, wanted sure. to yeah. distance myself for a bit. But yeah, regardless of what did or, or didn't happen or how it ended, um, I hold no ill will. Yeah. You know, I, I am so fortunate for the life that I have now, and I wouldn't have, well, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have met you oh. specifically, or I wouldn't be in the position that I am today yeah. without being more or less forced to leave. Absolutely. And um, and I, I believe everything happens for a reason, and I I believe that wholeheartedly, so I, I'm very grateful to them for a lot of reasons, and one of them being where I am now. Well, I think it's always, like, you know, anybody can find light in adversity. Like, I think that it's, and it's important to do so. So like, while, yeah, there were things that happened, like you can take that and then build yourself up. Right. Exactly. It's the best thing to do. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I don't do therapy, but I feel like I should. I think it should be mandated. <laughs> Apparently it is for me now. So. I was going to say, I'll maybe. Thanks. Let me know if your hernia clears up. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's so important. I think that literally every single person in, uh, I mean, I can really only speak for America, because <laughs> everywhere else may have their shit together. But I feel like everyone should, like from a certain age, should be required to do therapy because I don't see any negative benefit from it. For sure. You know what I mean? For you don't sure. have to be... You don't have to be diagnosed with depression or anxiety or, you know, anything like that. You don't have to have a uh-uh. deeply rooted issue. But, like, anyone can also, benefit from sitting and talking out their feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And us as artists, we are required to have nerves opened in order to do our jobs yeah. well, right? So we're prone to, to, to needing more help discerning our own feelings and, you know, the... the swamp that we call our life in 2020 you know what i mean it's like so i i fully agree with that fully agree listen i'm therapy positive i'm not like (laughs) i'm not slut shaming therapy yeah so i'm here for it also therapy looks different for i mean i didn't do therapy before but i had a life coach and that was my version of therapy just because i knew i had the tools but somebody just needed to help ask the right questions so i can ask the right questions (laughs) but either way a higher sense of you know, purpose somebody to help navigate, whether it's a life coach, whether it's a therapist, right. absolutely. Dumb, dumb. You'd be a great life coach. Tell that you're just like smart because yeah. then you're talking to you. Thanks. Don't think with your head. Don't <laughs> your head. I won't. The process of spilling tea requires two things. 
piping hot gossip, and eager ears to listen. So y'all better make sure your ears are looking fine. Velvet Ears Jewelry is a small batch polymer clay earring business for any person who wants to give their outfit a little, shall we say, spice. These vintage-inspired pieces are made with lots of love and designed and made to order, so no two pair are the same. Super light and easily worn from day to night. These earrings have range, sweetie. Follow at velvet underscore ears underscore jewelry on Instagram and use code drinkwine comma spill tea when purchasing for half off a pair of earrings. You can order anything that's been posted or specially order a pair made just for you. Let's create something fun together. Stay groovy and keep spilling the tea. What are you doing right now, though? So, like, what, like, what's your life since tour? Well, Where I, is she now? I work with you um, yes. at an undisclosed location, <laughs> and um, I am enjoying the stability mm-hmm. of yeah, having a job where I can punch in, punch out, and it doesn't ask too much of me. It also keeps me in one spot. Except for the fact that I'm moving in yeah, five days. Uh, before that, I was auditioning, and I was auditioning for um, anything, um, anything regionally or Broadway. Um, I felt like I was at a point with my resume where I could do that well yeah. enough. Um, I was trying to get an agent. I had about 12 different agent meetings, auditions, and I kept getting told that I'm very talented. We're just not looking for someone like you right now. Um, so it... Um, that's just the, that's just the business. And then 2020 happened, and it all blew up in smoke there. So now I'm just kind of going week by week as where I'm at right now in, in life. And teaching, I've taught a couple of uh, master classes via Zoom, which yes. is really hard. Um, and then singing in the shower a lot. Love, yes, yeah. love, yeah. and on Instagram. And on Instagram, I do like to sing on Instagram. Yes, yeah. it's great. I love that. Thank you. And so you're you're moving temporarily, temporarily now. up towards Boston. Um, it's where my uh, boyfriend Matt lives. Love Matt is from. I should say he lives in the place that we're doing this podcast right now. Yes. Actually, currently in New York City, but we are moving up there uh, because of. Um, the COVID crisis and needing to to go with the flow. Um, yeah, so he, he's a muggle. He's a non-magic folk. He, um, I love <laughs> when people call it on me to be a muggle. He just spoke amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a muggle. He he works for um, a company here in New York, and then I'm going back in the office until right. like next year at some point. So no reason to be in a shoebox for seven months. Um, a very well decorated shoebox, yes, though. I nice. love this. I wouldn't even call it Me and Jamie are moving in. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's vacant, so. Yeah. Shall we? <laughs> we'll look into it. We'll chat. Oh my gosh, great. Yeah. Love. Yeah. I would like to know what inspires you. It could be in your daily life, it could be career wise, it could just be, you know, whatever Me. you want. But. I think it's a good question to ask. It is. It's a beautiful question. You know. It's a different. Not to get all, like, Wisconsin cheese on your ass, but, like, honestly, kindness. And um, kindness in in a lot of ways in the sense that the people who I work with, both at my job now, on my tours before, um, the way that I met in the audition room, the... The tone that is set from the top of the company down from CEO all the way down to its janitor. I mean, like, it is kindness. And that is something that fuels me. I feel a little burnt out from the biz, quote unquote biz, um, because of a lack of kindness, in in my opinion, and a lack of loyalty and um, honesty. And I have found a company who believes very much in kindness and, and invests in their people. And while it's not it in theater or art in any way, I 
um, find myself very connected to it in some way because I enjoy the I enjoy the human experience, and when the human experience is kind, that is something that fuels me. I get up every day, and I'm excited to to begin the day. It's a good place to work. Yeah, it really is pretty awesome. And you'll never know what it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that was uh, maybe a really cheesy pageanty answer, but that's yeah. We love cheese. Okay. It's all the Asian thing. <laughs> She's lots of intolerant though. Oh no. <laughs> I'm telling you, juice stomach. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a helpful circle. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. We do cheese. I believe it. We do cheese. I believe it. I am sad that you can't have the cheese. Show it I will one day. Oh, okay. You can come to my hernia. Yeah, you're right. Hernia, the hernia. <laughs> Anthony, last question. I think I got the last one. What is your social media? How can people follow you? I have to tell you, you might be disappointed. I'm not on social media very much anymore. Um, but if you do want to look at my past photos, yeah. you, you can go to, um, at Anthony J A Y L A G at Instagram. And that's about it. Cause I got rid of my Facebook back in January and, um, I'm also a photographer, freelance yes. photographer. Um, yeah. you can follow me at photos by squirrel, um, <laughs> at, on Instagram in, inside Inside joke, um, my best friend and I, like five, six years ago, when we were first becoming obsessed with Drag Race, started to call each other Squirrel Friend. Oh, love. And so I was trying to think of a dumb idea for a dumb, random photo business that I was going to hypothetically make up. And then it actually kind of stuck. And here I am five years later with Photos by Squirrel. So that's me on Instagram. I am on that one more because I obviously need it for business. So. Right. Cool. He sings on his stories. He sounds angelic. Thank you. That's very sweet angelic. of you. Well, I have to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I'm so happy to have finally been on it. Yeah, we've talked about it for months. For like, truly, a, a while. Truly. And yeah, it feel, so feels so honored. Thank you so much. Oh, we're, we're actually never yeah, I'm um, I can put you in one of the boxes that are in the closet um, okay. for okay. all of the tchotchkes that are going in there. You can become one of the tchotchkes. The tchotchkes? Tchotchkes. Like, um, you know what a tchotchke is? Violet tchotchke? No, it's a little knickknacks. Thank tchotchke. you. It's tchotchke, yes. it is. That was the most. Is it? I think so, yeah. Don't say things you don't know. <laughs> I know. While she's looking that up, I do have one final question. Oh, okay. Who is your all time favorite drag queen? Oh, me and Anthony would watch RuPaul's Drag Race together during quarantine yes. via FaceTime. Yes. What great dates we had. I don't know, actually drunken nights in quarantine yeah, with absolutely. you. That is such a loaded question. I'm actually offended that you asked me that. Controversially, can I give two? Yes. Okay. Um, obviously, Katya. Duh. Numero uno. She is the ultimate weirdo and also the most gorgeous. I love Katya. Ugh, freaking love that freak. And then also, controversially, Manila. I oh, that's not controversial, isn't it? No, I. You know who is controversial? I also love Ben Delacroix. Still, oh, that one's controversial. that's controversial. Um, but Manila, I Naomi Smalls is dead to me. <gasps> Has been dead yeah, since she home. sent her home. Um, so rude, so unfair. I'm sorry. But Manila is my ultimate queen. I love that. I'm trying to get Jamie to start watching. Did you find information on this? Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah! Okay. I use that word all the time. Yeah. All right. Anthony. Yes, my dear. Loves ya. Love Thank you. Thank you so hard. Thank you so Thank you hard. so hard. Thank you. And peace out.